Lord God, uh, we thank you for your word and we thank you for gathering us here this evening. Uh, We thank you too for those listening online and we just ask that you would be at work now, that you would remove distractions, that as I speak, your spirit would be at work and you would be at work calling your little ones back home and we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wonder if you've ever been into a throne room or if you've ever wondered what it's like being in a throne room. Um, I think the closest I've got to a throne room was going to the Australian Parliament while it was in session. Uh, They were reading a bill on um, increasing medical students' places and I happened to be on a, a council of medical students at the time. So we visited Canberra. And I managed to get Kevin Rudd to wave back at me when I waved at him. So if you're not sure who Kevin Rudd is, he was the Prime Minister at the time. Um, But you can hardly call the Australian or the New Zealand Parliament a throne room, right? I mean, it's more like a primary school classroom half the time, especially during question time. Uh, Maybe the Oval Office is a bit closer to a throne room. I mean, just consider the sheer power wielded from that room, right? The world-changing decisions that are made from that chair. Um, But no throne room on earth can come close to the throne room of God, right? Uh, A number of times in the Bible we get a glimpse, we, we get a picture of this throne room with the Ancient of Days, the Almighty Creator God sitting on this glorious throne. And it's surrounded by rainbows and lightning and thunder and there's living creatures and seraphim whatever seraphim are and elders and there's thousands and thousands of angels and they're all encircling the throne and they're worshiping god it's a picture of absolute power and majesty and glory and it'd be pretty amazing to get a glimpse of that right well in our passage today we actually get a glimpse into the throne room of God. In fact, we get an even closer look at God than that because in this passage, we get to see the very heart of God himself. And the thing is, when you see this, it's not what you'd expect. See, despite the greatness and the majesty of God on his glorious throne, surrounded by thousands of angels, God's not impressed by greatness. What we see is our magnificent God cares for the little ones. For the past few years, we've begun our year at City on a Hill looking at the part of the Bible called Matthew's Gospel. Uh, Now, if you're not very familiar with the Bible, Matthew's Gospel is one of the four biographies of Jesus. And it's about how Jesus is this Messiah, this promised king who is bringing in a new kingdom. He calls it the kingdom of heaven. And uh, this year we're spending a few weeks just looking at these chapters, chapters 18 to 20. It'd be really helpful if you have that open in front of you, um, chapter 18. And uh, so far we've seen from last week uh, that this kingdom of heaven that Jesus is bringing, well, it's going to be an upside down kingdom. Uh, It's going to be a counter kingdom. And the disciples, that's, that's Jesus' closest followers, they're really excited about Jesus bringing in a kingdom, but they just don't quite get what it means yet. 
Uh, and at the start of this chapter, they're asking, well, if Jesus is going to be this glorious king, well, doesn't that mean, like, as his best friends, we kind of get some of the, get some of the accolades? We can be great, like, like our great King Jesus. And so they come to Jesus with this question. If you look in verse 1 with me, 18 verse 1, at, the time, uh, at that time the t- disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And as we saw last week, classic Jesus, right? He turns the disciples' world upside down. And, and what he does is he brings a little child and makes the child stand before them. And he says, see this child? The greatest in my kingdom are the ones who will take the lowly position of a, of a little child. In fact, in verse 3, you can't get into my kingdom Jesus says, unless you change and become like this child. But you see, the thing is with little children, they're vulnerable, right? They're easily led astray. And so Jesus warns them in verse 6, if you cause one of my little ones to stumble, then you'll have to deal with me. See, what Jesus is saying here is God is on the side of his little ones. You hurt them? You have to deal with Jesus. But the question is, who are God's little ones? Is he just talking about children here? Well, it does include children, but it's not just children. And it's not all children. See, Jesus tells us who the little ones are. They're at the start of verse 6. Have a look at verse 6 with me. Chapter 18, verse 6. If anyone causes one of these little ones, who are his little ones? Those who believe in me. See, God's little ones are those who believe in Jesus. They are those who've taken the lowly position of a child and rather than come to Jesus thinking they've got something to offer or something to impress him with, God's little ones are those who've humbled themselves enough to believe in Jesus. Rather than themselves or, or the good works that they can do, they believed in Jesus. They've changed to become like little children. And in particular, I think Jesus here is talking about those who believe in him but aren't very impressive in the world's eyes. They don't seem to look like they have much to offer. They're not high achievers, they're not particularly gifted, but they trust in Jesus. They believe in Jesus. And Jesus wants us to see just how much God loves these little ones. How much he treasures them and protects them. And what we see first is this glimpse into God's throne room. And and while these little ones don't seem very impressive to the world... Well, they actually hold a prominent place in God's throne room. Have a look with me there in verse 10. Verse 10. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. Do you see what Jesus is saying about these little ones? Make sure you don't despise them. Don't disregard them. Don't write them off. Because you know what? I've come from the throne room of heaven, says Jesus. 
And those little unimpressive people, those people you don't even notice, those people you don't think are worth a moment of your time, they have angels watching over them. And not just any angels. These are the angels that are closest to the throne. Close enough to see God's face. See, God's got his chief helpers watching over his little ones. So don't you dare despise them. No, honour them. See them the way God sees them, as his precious little children. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read, don't despise one of these little ones, well, my first reaction is, well, I would never do that. I wouldn't despise a little cute person but when you think more about it there are people we look down on aren't there people we avoid people that we don't think are worth our time or people that we don't even notice but do you see what Jesus is saying here they may not look like much but if they believe in me they're one of my little ones Those quiet and unimpressive but faithful people, they matter very much to God because they're all his precious children. His precious children that he will protect at all costs, even when they wander. Which brings us to this little parable about a lost sheep. And and what we see in this parable is that each one of God's little ones is precious to him. Have a look there from verse 12. Verse 12. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. Do you see how precious each of his little ones is to God? If even one of them has wandered off, he'll leave all the others, all 99 of them, and he'll go in search of that one. And he'll search for that little sheep until he finds it. He won't let it perish out on its own. Because every one of his little ones is precious to God. And you just see just how precious they are in the reaction he has when he finds it, right? Verse 13, he's happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that didn't wander off. He's not begrudging the fact that this sheep wandered off. He's not giving it a lecture on the importance of staying with the flock. He's not grumpy about the inconvenience of having to go search for it again. He's just overjoyed to have his little sheep back again. See, even more intimate than the throne room of God, here we see the very heart of God. And God's heart is not willing that any of his little ones would perish. He seeks out the little ones who are wandering. He seeks them until he finds them. And when he does, he rejoices. Do you see how much God values his little ones? And it's not because of how impressive they are, right? They're his little ones. Think about sheep for a moment. 
I'm not sure if you've spent much time with sheep. Um, I had a pet goat growing up. I'm not sure if that qualifies. I've, I feel like goats have a bit more character than sheep. Uh, Willie, my goat, he had a lot of character. He, he used to like have wrestles with us boys. Um, but sheep really aren't that impressive, are they? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong if you're a sheep farmer and you think they're amazing. Um, but they don't seem particularly intelligent. Uh, they're not particularly graceful or agile. Uh, they're not very fast or strong. They're not particularly well adapted for survival. I mean, they need shepherds to look after them, right? To protect them from predators. They get stuck in ditches. They don't really have much going for them, do they? Unless you're looking for something to roast or knit, of course. Um, but this is who God's little ones are described as, right? As sheep, helpless sheep. See, greatness in God's kingdom, it's not about impressiveness. It's about taking the lowly position of a child or a little lost lamb. Which is so different from what our world values, isn't it? See, our world values people based on how impressive they are, what they have to offer. And there's just so much pressure to perform, isn't there? Do you feel that pressure? Do you feel the pressure to pursue a challenging career? And then when you get there, to manage that high-stress position with all this like zen and healthy boundaries and reach your full potential and just be that person who has it all together, someone who doesn't need to rely on anyone else. And it's not just other people's expectations that puts pressure on us, right? It's the expectations we put on ourselves. The pressure to feel like we've achieved something this week or this year or with my life. The pressure to pull our weight and not be dependent on other people or let other people down. And you know what? I, th- I think sometimes we can think Jesus thinks about us this way as well. We think there's all this pressure from Jesus to do what he wants. To do stuff for church or to love all my neighbours and to share the gospel with everyone. And I'm just not measuring up to Jesus' standard. But Jesus is so unlike our world. He doesn't value us based on how impressive we are. He cares far more about our relationship with him than all the things that we might do for him. Now it's not that Jesus doesn't have standards or expectations. In fact, Jesus' standards are higher than anyone's. Jesus' standard is perfection. But you know what? He meets those standards that perfect standard himself for us. And so he meets us where we are. He loves us in all our unimpressiveness. And so that all that is left for us to do is realize when we've wandered away, hear him call out our name, maybe let out a feeble bleat for help, And let him scoop us up in his arms, bandage up our wounds and carry us back to the flock with a big joyful smile on his face. Now when you realise that that is the heart of God, when you realise that you've been loved like that, 
Not because of anything you had to offer. Not because of anything lovely in you. But just because you're his precious little one. Well, you'll want to live a life that honors him, won't you? You'll you'll want to give everything you have, feeble though it may be, to him. Not to try and impress him. Not to look great in his eyes. You couldn't look greater than you already do. You're his precious child. See, God doesn't want our impressiveness. He just wants us to come to him with that childlike faith. That dependence, that devotion, that trust. So how should we respond to this great love that God has for his little ones? Well, it depends where you're at, right? Maybe you're listening here tonight and you're not yet one of God's little ones. You don't yet believe in Jesus. Well, If that's you, can I urge you to become a little one of God? Stop trying to do it alone, thinking you can save yourself, or thinking that something other than God will save you, or thinking you don't need saving. Take the lowly position of a child. Humble yourself before Jesus. Depend on him. There is no greater love to discover in this life. There is no greater purpose you could find. There is no greater significance that you could have than living as a child of God. And there's no greater future for you to enter. There's no greater future than for you to enter God's kingdom when Jesus comes in all his glory. Come to Jesus today. Put your trust in him. Depend on him. Become a child of God. But maybe you're here today and you are a little one. You do trust in Jesus, but you've been wondering. Well, if that's you, I want you to know that I prayed for you to come to church today or to listen online. I'm so glad that God has brought you here because I believe that he's searching for you. He wanted you to hear this message tonight. He wants you to know that he knows you've wandered and he knows why. He knows your struggles, your pain, your doubts. He knows your lostness. And he's seeking you out. He doesn't want you to perish. He wants to take you up in his arms and carry you back to the flock. So come back to Jesus today. Stop wandering and come back. You don't need to have it all together. He loves you as you are. See, here at City on a Hill, we're not looking for impressive people. We're looking for lost and wandering sheep who will come back into the flock of other unimpressive little ones. See, we all know we need help. We all are just looking to Jesus and depending on him, not on ourselves. That's what we're trying to do. Which means there's also a word here for you if you don't feel like you have much to offer. You may not be wandering, uh, but you're feeling like you don't have much to offer our church or God. You're not that gifted. You don't feel like you'd be missed if you never showed up. Well, if that's you, know that you are so, so precious. You are one of God's precious little ones. 
And so stop thinking that we don't need you. Just by being here on a Sunday evening, you are a great encouragement to us. Just by showing up to community group whenever you can, just by being there, you're encouraging that group to keep following Jesus. If all you can manage is to turn up and listen, that's still an encouragement. You still have that to offer because you are so precious. But don't be afraid to speak either. You don't have to impress people with your godly wisdom or your sinlessness or your Bible knowledge. Just be yourself. None of us have it all together. Some of us are just better at looking like we do. We're all dependent little children. See, God cares far more about your faithfulness than he does about your giftedness. And so if you're here today and you feel like you do have something to offer, if you think you actually are a bit gifted or impressive, or if you think you need to puff yourself up by telling yourself how lucky people are to have you around, well, I wonder if you actually need to realize the same thing. That you need to realize how precious you are. Not because of what you do. Not because of the impressive things you do or the amazing gifts you have. You're valuable because you're, you're one of God's little ones. See, it's all about faithfulness. Your dependence on Him. You're trusting your life to Him. You're valuing of Him above all things. That's what God cares about. More than your giftedness or the things you do to contribute to church or how much evangelism or Bible reading you do in your spare time. I wrestle with this concept all the time. I, I put myself under so much pressure to do, 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 to not let people down, to not let myself down, to not let God down. But when I come to God feeling overwhelmed in those desperate times, wondering if I should be doing this, wondering if I'm gifted enough to be doing ministry, the thing he keeps saying to me at that time Time and time again, he says, Andy, I really don't mind what you do. What I really care about is that you do it for me. That you do it faithfully, trusting in me. Doing it because you value me. See, if we get how precious God's little ones are to, to God, well, it means we'll value everyone, right? It means we'll despise no one including ourselves. And it means we'll especially cherish God's little ones. So if you're an ambitious person, if you're one of those driven A-type personalities, uh, let me say that's great. I'm one of those people too. I have big dreams. I had more dreams 10 years ago, which, you know, <laughs> I'm still holding on to some of them. But if you're ambitious and you want to uh, use all the gifts that God's given you to make a positive impact on the world for Jesus' sake, can I say, go for it. But make your first ambition to become like one of God's little ones. To take the lowly position of a child. Let's aspire to be faithful, first and foremost, so that in all we do, we do it in humble dependence and trust in Jesus. 
And let's be like our Heavenly Father in our care for every single one of those little ones. Let's reach out to those who are wandering so that none of his little ones will perish. And as a church, let's not focus on how impressive people are or what people can contribute. Let's cherish the little ones. Because the kingdom of God isn't about impressiveness. It belongs to his little ones. How about we pray and ask God to help us to care for his little ones and seek the honour of being called one of them. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your upside down kingdom that in your majesty and glory and power you care for the little ones so much that you would seek them out so much that you would die for them at the cost of your son. Lord, we pray for those who do not yet know you. Please, may they come to you today. Have mercy on them. Help them to deny themselves, to stop trying to make it on their own, and to come to Jesus and believe in him. We pray for those who have wandered, Lord, even those in this room or listening online. Lord, would you seek them out and bring them home? We pray for those that you know, Lord, that are close to our hearts, that used to walk with you but have wandered. Lord, may this not be the way they remain. May you seek them out. And please guide us, Lord. Help us to know what to say to them and when to say it. Help us to do those little things that might draw them back to the flock. And Lord, help us to value people not based on how impressive they are or what they can contribute, but on how you value them. That they're your precious children, not because they have it all together but because they are a child of God. We pray that we would be a church like that, that cherishes cherishes your little ones. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.